Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh, what a wonderful day it has been already, just to celebrate and to sing together. Um, my, my sermon this morning is titled, Come, Let Us Adore Him. Come, Let Us Adore Him. And um, it's my hope that this morning as we just share this time looking to God's Word, that truly our hearts would be awakened to the joy that we have, the joy that is ours this morning, because of we know who Jesus is. He's not just this cute baby, and I see cute babies over here, and they're very adorable. And, but Jesus isn't just this cute baby that we adore in that way. We don't just adore him because he's got chub, maybe he had chubby cheeks, I don't know. Um, we don't just adore him for that, we adore him because of who he is, because what he came to do and what we know, because we know who, what Jesus is and what he did on the cross and how he rose from the death, that we know that we can adore him because of all of that. So this morning, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and things that are familiar to us, things that we've been thinking about for the last few weeks, whether you've been to nativity, uh, nativity service or whether you've been uh, listening to Christmas carols, that these things would come alive for us and fuel us for our lives ahead. So as all good stories, this story starts with a problem. The Christmas story starts with a problem. And our joy and our adoration for Jesus comes because we have been invited out of something into something so wonderful. We've been invited out of darkness and into light. And I'm not sure what that means for you this morning. Maybe you say, what kind of darkness do I feel might mean? But you don't have to look around the world these days and see that there is darkness, there is hardship, there is trouble. But Matthew 1:21 says this, the virgin will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that is a verse that we hinge on, don't we? We think about Christmas and we think about a savior. We talk about a Lord who comes, a Christ, the Messiah, someone who needs to come to save us. Not just me, not just you, but he comes to save all of humanity from trouble, from their sins, from their brokenness. And just as we reflect on the adoration of Jesus this morning, sometimes we need to just pull it back a little bit. And remember that our joy comes not from platitudes or cute babies or little mini celebrations. It comes from a wonderful rescue, a rescue from darkness and a rescue into light. The God that created the beautiful world that we enjoy knows that this world is broken, that this world is groaning. This world is groaning for transformation, for change because of the rebellion of human beings. God made us in his own image, yet as we reflect on this world and we see the hardship and the wars in Ukraine and the violence and broken people on the streets, and we can't even escape death as a reality in our world this year, the death of a monarch, the death of maybe loved ones, the loss of people whom we love, we know that that was not God's intention for us. God's intention for us was not to die, but to live and to reign with him forever. So as we think about the story of Christmas, we have to think of it in the terms of rescue, that we are people who've been rescued. The prophet Isaiah says this, there are people walking in darkness. There are those who are living in the land of deep darkness. And that's what sin does. The sin and brokenness in our lives, it robs us of the life that we have in Christ. It robs us of the life that we should have reigning with and living with him. And it robs us and even such, in such a way that we don't even know that we need God. We didn't even know that we needed Christ in our lives. 
But this is what happens in Isaiah continues in Isaiah 9. It says that people have seen a great light. A light has dawned. So when we think about the Christmas story this morning, as I want your hearts to adore Jesus, first we have to recognize our brokenness. We have to recognize that we are people who were in darkness, but because of his rescue plan, our needs have been met. He intervenes in our darkness and comes in as glorious light into our world in the form of Jesus Christ. So this morning as we adore him, would you remember that we need a rescue, that the story that we have, this joy that we have is one of rescue. And how did he come? How did Jesus come? He came through a miraculous birth. He came not just through any old means. He came through a virgin's birth through Mary, a servant. But there's something more wonderful, more miraculous than just a virgin's birth, because that in itself is a miracle. Actually, just babies in general are miracles. How on earth could God interwoven two people to come together and make a creation like this? But yet this virgin birth was one where God intervened and he created a greater miracle And that was the identity of who this baby was. It wasn't just some kid. It was God incarnate. And I'm so wonderful that Andrew led us in that. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Fully God, fully man, human form. Paul the Apostle says this in Colossians 2.9, that it is the fullness of God in human body. The fullness of God in human body. And really, when we get our heads around what God is like as we discover who he is, that incarnation, God made flesh, that incarnation just blows our minds when we recognize who this God is. He's not some pithy little small God with a few attitude problems. Uh, He's a God who is immense, glorious, wonderful, huge, eternal, vast, beyond measure, yet he reduces himself and comes in the form of a baby. And I was trying to get my head around this, this week in preparing, how on earth could we illustrate uh, how God could fit into a form of a baby? And I need some volunteers to help me with this. Daniel, you're always willing. Thank you. Come on up. I need someone of equivalent size and strength. (laughs) Anybody? I'm going to have to pick somebody, one of my favorites here. Come on, Gianna. You have a similar size and strength. <laughs> it's a fun thing. Come on. Come on. Okay, come on. Someone else. Uh, Daniel, you pick somebody. Oh, yeah, go on. Pick James, said. James. Okay. Now, I was trying to figure a way to illustrate the incarnation, and I had sleeping bags. Um, and these things are notoriously annoying because you can get stuff out of them, but it seems to take a while to fit things back in them. So I'm going to have a little bit of competition with you guys. James, you're wearing red, so you are in the red corner. And Daniel, you are wearing blue, so you're in the blue corner. Grab it and pull it out. Okay. Now, um, what I'm going to ask you to do, James and Daniel, is one of you stand on my left. You can sit on this side. I'm gonna, we're going to have a race and see who can stuff the sleeping bag back into the stuffing bag in the quickest way. Yeah? Does that make sense? So you've got to stuff it back in. It doesn't have to be neat. It doesn't have to be neat. Um, whatever way, shape, or form, you've got to stuff the sleeping bag back into that bag. Ready? 
Count down with me. In three, two, one, go. Come on. Stuff it in. Come on, use your knees. <laughs> Has to be fully in. I need the zipper closed. I need the thing. Yay. Amazing. Daniel, thank you so much. Well done, well done, well done. Thank you so much. Give these guys a clap. Come on, fit in, baby. Sorry, all the proportions are wrong. <coughs> but hopefully it just tries to illustrate something, some small measure of the wonder of the incarnation. Yeah, the proportions are all wrong, but anyway. Um, how could it be that the glorious Son of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the word that at one word spoken sustains the universe, who holds all authority, power, and glory in the palm of his hands, is the ultimate source of meaning and reason in the universe, could reduce himself, himself to a baby in arms, to lying in a manger. As we just consider the marvel and the wonder of that, of a baby of a similar proportion and size to this, how could it be that God would choose to do that? He did not have to, but he chose to, to show something of his wonder and his glory to us this morning. As we celebrate the birth of our risen Savior, he's not one who separates himself from humanity, but into, in, into it fully, so that we may know him, and he is knowable to us. So we are people who need rescue. We have a Savior who's fullness of God. But we don't just have a savior. We have a savior who this Christmas, as we think about Christmas, we think about who he was and how he came. We think about why he came, how he came. He came as a willing savior. I'm not sure what it means for you to be willing, but for me, I know that for me, I don't do things on purpose that discomfort me. It's in my nature, isn't it, to kind of do things that would benefit me or give me joy and to give me, um, you know, I'll be willing to do things that would be, you know, good for me and great for me. But when we think about Christmas, we think about our Savior as one who was born willingly. It wasn't that God, the Father, kind of got Jesus into a, stuffed him into a baby sack and threw him down to earth and said, go for it, Jesus, you got this. Jesus came willingly to rescue us. Jesus was willing. I'm just going to quote some, uh, some quotes from David, Paul David Tripp, which I was reading this week. He says this, Jesus was willing to leave the splendor of eternity and come to this broken and groaning world. He was willing to take on human flesh with all its frailty. He was willing to take and endure a humble stable. He was willing to go through the dependency of childhood 
to expose himself to the hardships of our fallen world. He was willing to submit to his own law. He was willing to do the Father's will at every point of his life. He was willing to serve when he deserved to be served. He was willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. He was willing to endure rejection and injustice. He was willing to preach a message that would cause him personal harm. He was willing to suffer public mockery. He was willing to endure physical torture. He was willing to go through the pain of his father's rejection on the cross. And he was willing to die. He was willing to rise, though, and ascend to be our savior and our advocate. Jesus was willing. And if we understand that, if we understand the heart of our savior towards us, not begrudging, not bitter, but willing, then we understand something of the Christmas story, that the entire restoration and redemptive story hinges on one thing. It hinges on the willingness of Jesus Christ. Without his willingness, we would have no hope. Without his willingness, we would be without God. Without his willingness, we would be left powerless to the curses of sin. Without his willingness, we would be eternally damned. But during this season, we can stop and enjoy and recognize his willingness towards us as his people. And it doesn't stop there. This is what I love about Christmas. Some people say, some people say this is the season of joy. But let me tell you, Christians, that our joy does not end with the end of this season. Our joy goes on because we have a willing Savior still. And his willingness is this. His willingness is guaranteed from now forever. Right here, right now, he's willing to love you. He's willing to love you on your worst days. He's willing to love you on your best days. Right now, he's willing to forgive you again and again and again. He is right now willing to be patient as you grow and as you mature. Right now, he is willing to battle on your behalf against evil within and without. Right now, he's willing to teach you through his word. Right now, he's willing to supply every one of your needs. Right now, he is willing to be faithful even when we are not. Right now, he is willing to empower you when you're weak and to restore you when you've fallen. He's willing to comfort you when you are discouraged and protect you when you've stepped into danger. And he's willing to do everything that you need to feed, guide, sustain you, and protect you until heaven is your final home. That is the Savior that we worship this Christmas, a willing Savior, and that is demonstrated through his willingness, first and foremost, in coming to this earth as a baby. My question to you this Christmas and this time going forwards is, what are you trusting in God for right now? What are you trusting for in your life? Maybe there's trials ahead, and this Christmas season maybe is a distraction, just for a moment. Maybe you've got exams and your futures lie ahead of you in the coming terms if you're in school. Maybe there's challenges from a work or a family perspective right now, and you just know how to overcome them. But my joy that we have this morning is that you have a Savior who's willing to stand with you from now until eternity if you are willing to place your trust in him. God demonstrated in Jesus that he is willing, that he is faithful, that he is trustworthy, not just in our past, but for our future hope as well. 
the willingness of the one who came is the one who the, the angels sang and the shepherds worshipped and the magi searched for. So this morning, if you just consider those simple questions, what are we trusting for? Is our trust in the Christ, in the one who came to restore? I ask you not just to know about Jesus this morning, not just to be informed or to hear more about Jesus, but I'm asking you to transform that knowledge and that wonder into worship, into adoration. And this morning, as you have heard this Christmas story again, sometimes we may lose the wonder of it through familiarity, but sometimes we lose the wonder purely because we're trusting in something else. And I know that's for me. So often when I place my trust and my hopes into something that is not eternal, that is not steadfast like the person of Jesus Christ, then my hope dwindles quickly. But I'm asking you and inviting you to adore Jesus this morning, to place your hope in him again, and to recognize that story of Christmas is the one which gives us the source of eternal hope. It's only when you seek and celebrate what God has given you eternally in Christ that we recognize that hope is found in the name of Jesus and we can enjoy him and celebrate him now and forever.